Days. Tan Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. You folks going past Tishomingo. Sure, hop in. How you doing, son? Name's Everett. These two soggy sons of bitches are uh, Pete and Delmar. Keep your fingers away from Pete's mouth. He ain't had nothing to eat for 13 years except prison food, gopher, and a little greasy horse. Thanks for the lift, sir. My name's Tommy. Tommy Johnson. How you doing, Tommy? Say, I haven't seen a house out here for miles. What are you doing out in the middle of nowhere? Well, I had to be at that there crossroads last midnight. Sell my soul to the devil. Well, ain't it a small world, spiritually speaking? Pete and Delmer just been baptized and saved. I guess I'm the only one that remains unaffiliated. This ain't no laughing matter, Everett. What'd the devil give you for your soul, Tommy? Well, he taught me to play this here guitar real good. Oh, son, for that you traded your everlasting soul? Well, I wouldn't use me. I've always wondered, what's the devil look like? Well, of course, there are all manner of lesser imps and demons, Pete, but the great Satan himself is red and scaly with a bifurcated tail. He carries a hay for him. Oh, no. No, sir. He's white. As white as you folks. With empty eyes and a big hollow voice. He loved to travel around with a mean old hound. That's right. And he told you to go to Tishomingo? Well, no, sir. Well, that was my idea. I heard there's a man down there. He pays folks money singing to his can. They say he pays an extra if you play real good. Fisher Mingo, huh? How much he pay? All right, boys. Follow my lead. Hello? Who's the hot show around here? I am. Who are you? Uh, well, sir, I'm Jordan Rivers, and these here are the Soggy Bottom Boys out of Cottonelia, Mississippi. Songs of salvation to salve the soul. Uh, we hear that you pay good money to sing into a can. Well, that all depends. No, I'm looking for some old-timer material. You see, people can't seem to get enough of it. Since we started broadcasting it on the Pappy Old Daniel Flower Hour, so thank you for stopping by. But... Sir, uh... The soggy bottom boys have been steeped in old-timey material. Heck, we're silly with it, ain't we, boys? That's right. That's right.
Uh, uh, okay, sir, but Merton uh, uh, Aloysius will have to just sign X's. Only four of us can write. Hey, mister, I don't mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. Well, that's Governor Menelaus. Pass the biscuits, Pappy O'Daniel. And ain't you appreciated if you ate his farina and voted him a second term? Finest governor we ever had in Mississippi. In any state? Oh, Lord, yes. Every parish or precinct, he was making the bigger point. Hi, everybody. This is Billy Dean, your favorite 90s country star, reminding you to keep listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And remember, say what needs saying, because we're only here for a little while. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run to your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com. You can see us live here in studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you missed any of our 600 and some odd kind of lost count shows, uh, don't forget to check out NostalgicRadioandCars.com. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? Should be 6.30. Should be 6.30? Today. Okay, well, cool. 6.29, I think, yesterday. But, yes, I'm doing well. Hey, are we coming out loud and clear? Because my uh, yeah. headphones sound kind of... Anyway, technical difficulty. Anyway, but we're having fun. Hey, it's live radio, and that's just the way it is. Okay, so uh, we've got a great show for you tonight. We've got a special guest this evening. And since it's October, a.k.a. Rocktober, we're going to start out with some music stuff. Or music-related, I should say. Anyway, having said that... Um, what to see? Well, we had a little storm last week. It was a little windy. Luckily, we survived. Um, our hearts go out to all those in South Florida, West, East Central Florida, all the way over to Daytona. I saw some pictures. I'm not sure if the track was underwater or not, but it was kind of moist looking well, over there. Because it did leave exit off of Daytona. Did it? No, the storm exited that way. Out that way? Okay, so, you know. So it could thing, very well then. Yeah, the thing that surprised me, though, was, and I don't know, in all the years that I've lived here since uh, mid-70s, early 70s, the uh, Tampa Bay was like, uh, my friends over in Tampa, over there near uh, West Shore and Davis Island, were walking around on the seafloor, seabed, or whatever you would call it, right? Seafloor, kind of like, like that. So, uh Carlos well, was over there, and he was taking videos. It says, ordinarily, where I'm standing right now, the water would be 10 feet deep. And I'm thinking, you know, it sucked it out pretty quick. It could come back, kind of like the, you know, the well, Red that's, Sea. That's how it works. Is that how it works? But the problem is, where it comes back in is generally where the path of the storm is. I mean, you can go up to Kings Bay and Crystal River, and you could have walked out there. You could have gone to Wikiwachi and practically Was it like that? Um, not as bad. Davis, uh, Tampa Bay, Davis Island area. That was definitely a, that was the biggest sight. I, that was just that was incredible. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, it was just wow. But you know, like you said, yeah, sucked it all out and gave it to our friends down south. Anyway, we're good. So uh, and hopefully we'll they'll be okay as well. And uh, you know, it's just unfortunate, but that's just you know Mother Nature, I guess. Um, Let's see what 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 did we do last week? Well, I actually wasn't in the state of Florida. I was uh, a couple states north. I was actually working with our our good friends up there at uh, Fastlane Travel, and we were on a driving tour. So we 
And now this was exciting. Uh, we started out in Atlanta, well, just south of Atlanta, in a little town called Hapeville. Hapeville is famous for two things. One, Jeff Foxworthy, and two, Chick-fil-A. And uh, I did not know that, but I saw this Chick-fil-A and then said Chick-fil-A like draft house or something like that. And I thought, hmm, interesting. So I went over there, and I guess that was one of the original um, freestanding locations where uh, Chick-fil-A started many, many, many years ago. And uh, so this particular location was actually like a, almost like a full-blown restaurant. I actually thought I walked into like a coffee shop. It was really pretty cool. And uh, so I went over there. But we were at the Porsche, the PEC, Porsche Experience Center in Atlanta. And uh, so we were there at the uh, Kempton Hotel, which is across the street. And then we went to the Porsche Experience Center. My good friend Ray Schaefer gave me a private tour of Porsche Classic. And there was some pretty amazing stuff going on. They're expanding Porsche Classic. And what that basically is is kind of like uh, Ferrari does it, Mercedes does it. I think Aston Martin does it. Jaguar does it. So if you've got a vintage Jaguar, vintage Porsche, or vintage Mercedes, what these manufacturers do is they offer a complete restoration facility for these classic cars. And that's what Porsche Classic does up there in Atlanta. And uh, and the Porsche Experience Center is, is those uh, Porsche enthusiasts that have newer cars can uh, basically pay a fee, and you can drive on the track. And they have basically a road course. They have a, a skid pad, uh, a kick plate, which is kind of interesting. And they have a uh, launch pad, if you will. And uh, I spent most of my time on the, uh, and of course, a skid pad where um, they throw water on it, and you get to slide around and try to keep your car in control. But the cars that they gave us were, uh, let's see, we got a twin turbo S, and a GT3. Now the twin turbo, when we did the acceleration or the you know the launch thingy there, that launch launch thing that they have in the car, I can't remember what it is exactly because I'm not really a techie guy. But anyway, uh, I've driven 12 second cars, 13 second cars, 14 second cars, 11 second cars, and 10 second cars on a drag strip. 10 seconds is pretty doggone quick. Now keep in mind some of the cars today are running. You know, a drag car, these full-blown killer street cars are running with 2,000 horsepower. They're running, you know, in the sevens, high sixes, I understand, okay, where your top fuel cars with thousands and thousands and thousands of horsepower are running, you know, three seconds or less. Uh, in an eight, in a in a in a thousand feet, used to be thirteen twenty. But anyway, so I don't know if this was a quarter. I mean, an eighth mile. What this was as far as duration. But all I know is what, the, what we were supposed to do is step on the car, go as fast as we can, and then hit the brakes within a certain given distance. That nine thirty or that turbo twin turbo was like I kind of tapped the gas and then did it again. I mean, I kind of hesitated off the line because uh, there was just a slight delay. And uh, and then he just said, floor it. So I floored it. And that thing, and he said, stop when I tell you to stop. And I'm telling you that it felt like a 10-second car, and then I hit the brakes, and uh, it stopped. It's got huge brakes. They're probably 16 inches in diameter. Very, very impressive. And um, drove the car around on the track. I really didn't care for the turbo that much. I mean, it was kind of a neat car, kind of a little domesticated. But when they put me in the GT3, 
and I stayed on the rate on the road course, that was a different that was a different deal. And uh, but on the but on the 930 or the turbo car, you know, they have this thing called a kick plate. So basically, what you do is you take off, and uh, it's a, a wet track. Okay, they water it down, and there's these little devices that pop up. You know, so you're supposed to navigate kind of like a slalom course a little bit. But now what this thing does is it comes and hits you in the in the tire in the rear and sets the car in a spin and you're supposed to try to control it well i'm used to three pedals so you know my first reaction is to would be to clutch it turn the wheel gas it and then try to make a 360 if i if i'm going all the way if i'm going halfway around i'm going to try to make the full circle it was it's a lot harder than it seems it was but it was fun i did it three times I looked like a beginner out there. It was terrible. I was it was embarrassing, and then of course they had the 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 skid pad where you go around and around and around. It's also wet, and then what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to uh, lock the brakes up, turn the wheel, and you know try to regain control. So um, that was a challenge as well. And then on the road course, you're supposed to have they have these braking points like on a on a regular racetrack you've got 300 feet 200 feet 100 feet you get the cone set up okay so it depends on how late you want to break and then you turn in hit the apex then you go straight or round or right left or wherever and then you got a slalom course there so it was a lot of fun and i gotta truly say i want to thank all my friends at Fastlane travel my friends peter Schaefer or uh, ray Schaefer up at uh, porsche classic and porsche experience center because it's really 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 a lot of fun so i mean it's not inexpensive it's i think it's a thousand bucks or something like that i was comped um but it was a lot of fun and we spent some time on the track and then later in the afternoon we did what they call hot laps so hot laps basically what that entails is you're in the track with well when you're on the track in the cars you're with an instructor so basically you got this guy which is the only thing i did not like you know kind of hollering in your ear going Break, 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 accelerate, turn in, do that, you know, and it's, it's kind of like, okay, you know, I got a racing license and I know a little bit how to drive, and I kn- you're not going to make a race car driver out of me in 30 minutes. So let me just have some fun and just kind of talk, but just don't like sit next to me with a megaphone in my ear and holler at me. That was a little, little yeah, annoying. DMV driving instructor. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was kind of like a backseat driver type deal. But I, nonetheless, we had a blast. And you know, you, you have a line when you're racing. You follow a line. Well, not everybody follows the same line. When you're the only car on the track, and when you're in lead, you kind of make your own line. When you're behind somebody, which is a lot of fun, which is what I like to do. I like to follow somebody on a, on a, on a road course, okay, and then I stay behind. But when I get a chance to get around them let's say for example i was in towards the last two laps to win a race or something like that you know the whole time i'm just kind of hanging in there behind him following his line everything like that saving the car as you if you will then when there's an opportunity to pass and go for the checkered flag then you do that okay so you're just out there trying to have a good time i highly recommend anybody that likes road racing to go to either Tim Motorsports or something like that or join a club and go out on a track and have some fun. Do some club racing. It is a lot of fun. I started doing that in autocrossing back in the 70s, and I still do it from time to time, so it is a lot of fun. And uh, remember, confine it to the racetrack. When you're on the street, you can't do that kind of stuff because you can get pretty pretty crazy, although I think a few months ago when I was up there with a driving tour, um, we, went, we did the Tale of the Dragon and stuff like that, but we did some pretty crazy stuff. But that's a story for another time. But anyway, some great roads up there in North Carolina. We drove all the way up to Boone. We drove to uh, the Highlands. We went. To, they did the Dragon. We did some country roads. Uh, we went to Waynesville. We went to Asheville. We went all over the place. Some pretty cool stuff, pretty cool roads. Great weather, changing of the leaves. We even went to a moonshine still. 
yeah, got some clear. And uh, so overall, it was it was a pretty good group. So if you're interested in doing any driving tours, you know, check out Fast Lane Travel. They do some tours to the Carolinas, which is probably some of the best driving in the country, country road-wise. There's some great roads out west. There's great roads up north. There's great roads out in California. Every state basically has a pretty cool road. But the Carolinas is pretty interesting because it's close. You know, it's Georgia. Even if you go into Helen, Georgia. There was a road I went to because I happened to see it. And since I'm a Porsche guy, 356, I just went... Hung a ride on 356, and it was kind of a fun road, windy little road, but it was a blast. But anyway, I will talk a little bit more about that the next time. In the meantime, I think Bobby's going to go ahead and fire up the stereo. We're going to play some music because we got to get our guests on the show because we're going to be talking about... We should probably find a song, shouldn't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we forgot about that, didn't I? Well, yeah, we got a good little record collection, but well, uh, yeah, let's go dig dig deep in that forty-five collection. Now, anything famous, anything uh, interesting, historical this week as far as music? Um, you know, obviously, unfortunately, Loretta Lynn's passing. Country music world. Oh, but, uh, she did. Uh, no, she well, didn't do played, Rose Garden. Uh, coal miners. Coal miners on Bill's. On the Bill Cochran show. On the Bill the Cochran show, hour. just the, the show just before us, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. well, let's. How about some? How, hey, you got? How about a Billy Dean song? Ah, uh, we should. Why don't do you pull that. a Billy yeah. Dean song since he was uh, on our show a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he did uh, Billy the Kid. But he's at that. We didn't play Billy the Kid though. We played. Uh, no, we did not. We That's played true. Saltwater Cowboy. I think mm-hmm. is what we played, right? Yeah, that was kind of a cool song. So maybe we can play a little Billy the Kid. This is kind of a cool song. I like this. You know, it's just good old country. And uh, actually, one of the guests on the tour, she was from England. She said, I want to listen to some hillbilly music. Can you take me and go listen to some hillbilly country music? That's what I want to go hear. So well, how about we, go. <laughs> we got some country music for you. So, Christine and Steve, this is for you. You tune in to Nostalgia Getting Cars on Touch That Dial. We'll be right back. Strapped on my holster low across my hips. Two coat 45s with white plastic grips. I'd head west through our neighborhood And they'd say, here comes young Billy And he's up to no good yeah. I rode a trail through the neighbor's backyard Shooting the bad guys through my handlebars Known for my bravery Supper was my only fear. I miss Billy the Kid, the times that he had, the life that he lived. I guess he must have got caught, his innocence lost. I wonder where he is. I These days I don't know whose side to be on There's such a thin line between right and wrong I live and learn, do the best I can There's only so much you can do as a man that he had the life that he lived 
Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. I mean, we're tuned into nostalgic radio cars. That's what it sounds like when you're at the drag strip. In fact, I think that was an actual live recording. I don't remember. It's been so long since I've been to some of the racetracks. Uh, you know what I forgot? I forgot my sheep. So I'm going to work from memory is what I'm going to do. So anyway, so what do we got coming up? You know, obviously, if you want to find out where all the car shows are, you go to in Florida. You go to flacarshows.com. Well, What's, that, that, that's all I see on this notes is flacarshows.com. Oh, okay. Well, because anyway. you know why? Because You'll find everything you need to know on that website. Absolutely. You'll find everything from how to put on a car show to every single car show that's going on. Well, okay, good. Anyway, so this weekend, if you happen to be in Birmingham, Alabama, is the Barber Motorsports Museum Vintage Motorcycle Event. Now, you never know. I'm a spontaneous kind of guy. I might just decide to fly up there or drive up there uh, this weekend, but that's a lot of fun. You've got the uh, Hilton Head uh, car shows coming up, or concourse, I should say. The Chattanooga concourse is coming up. SEMA's coming up. I mean, right now, we just got one right after the bang, 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 bang. The Audrain concourse was this weekend up in Rhode Island. I would have loved to go on that, but I was just uh, out of town for a couple of days and just didn't work out time-wise. Just a lot of stuff coming on. we got the Palm Beach concourse coming up soon. That's a lot of fun. The motor car cavalcade. That'll be at the beginning of the year. Then you got uh, Scottsdale Collector Car Weeks coming up. The Arizona Concourse. I mean, and the list goes on. There's a lot of really cool stuff. Also, Webster was this past weekend. It was the beginning of the month, first month of the first Sunday of every month. A lot of stuff. It's car, car, car driving season. Well, in Florida, it's actually car driving season all year round. But when it gets cool like this, it's drop top season. Anyway, on that note, Bobby's going to fire up the stereo again. And we're going to bring our guests on here in a few minutes. So you tune into Nostalgia Radio Cars. Don't touch that dial. Do not touch that dial. Hang around. Stick around. The show's going to be great. So you tune into Nostalgia Radio Cars.
There's a place where deals are made and legends are born. And there was a kid they called Lightning Boy. He was searching for the lost song. You could be the first man to record it. For a piece of fame and fortune. Like Clapton did with Crossroads, the Rolling Stones did it with Love and Vain. And he was looking to get him there. Welcome to Bluesville, son. This is the real thing. This ain't no book. Lightning Boy and Blind Eye. What the hell are you guys supposed to be, huh? We're both blues men. I'm the blues man. He's from Long Island. All I need is a Mississippi string tie. I'm ready to roll. Yeah, you need a lot more than that. You know, the owner walked up to Willie, gave him three $100 bills, and says, your boy can play. Only one blues man in town tonight who was me. There's a place where deals are made. And you made your deal at the crossroads. Yeah, I made the deal. Oh, I get it. You want some kind of contest, huh? You're real smart boy, Where a thin line separates the good. I'm giving you all the magic I've got from the great. Louis Brown sent me. Eugene Martone is ready to cross it. Hey, this is Chuck Wright. You might know me from Quiet Wright, Alice Cooper, House of Lords, and others. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio in Cars. Bang your head. We're back! And you're tuning in to Nostalgic Radio in Cars, and it's time to introduce our special musical guest for this evening. This gentleman has recently created kind of a pretty cool website called uh, Guitar Gavel. I'm delighted to welcome to the show its founder and creator, David Still. David, how are you this evening? Hey, Robert. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Well, David, before we go into the the guitar gavel and the music and all stuff, tell us a little bit about yourself. You have kind of an interesting past, and I'm sure (laughs) coming off this little breezy week we've had, it might be kind of interesting. Yeah, well, thanks, Robert. Appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Listen, uh, yeah, man, so I'm a meteorologist by trade. Um, little, Little fun fact for folks listening in the Tampa area. Uh, WTSP meteorologist Grant Gilmore and I went to college together. Uh, oh, wow. So I don't know if anyone tunes into Grant. Grant's a super, super smart guy. So if I'm down there and I was watching television weather, Grant's the guy I'd be watching. That's that's not a – he and I don't keep up. It's not a shameless plug for Grant. I'm just telling you he, he's that smart. That's the guy I would look for for a great forecast. Um, so, yeah, so Grant and I were in school together. I actually went back to college in my mid-20s to study weather. It was a lifelong passion. In fact, I undergrad interned at the Weather Channel um, as a production intern because my first degree was in communication. And it was a few years after I graduated where I was like, oh, you know, I really like weather. I don't like weather. I love weather. So I'm going to follow that path. And went back to school for three years and, and got out, was in the TV business for six, and then up here in western North Carolina, where I live, worked for a little weather forecasting service and, and forecasted quite a bit, but also handled the, the business end of things for the company, too. So I did that for eight years up until guitar gavel. Well, now let's go back to the meteorologist stuff. So what exactly Do it. Is in, does it entails becoming a meteorologist? Because I, I actually don't know exactly all that, and I'm sure some of my listeners are just as curious as I am. Yeah, so here... 
<laughs> All right, for those that love math, so look, we're talking to car guys. You've got a lot of engineers, a lot of engineer-minded, mechanical-brained people. And bless you, I love you guys. You're way smarter than I am. Because meteorology requires essentially an, an engineering sequence of calculus and physics. There's only a couple of, of different classes, and then once you, once you get through your you know, calc 1, 2, 3, differential equations, and then calculus-based physics 1 and 2, and a chemistry and a little computer programming, then you get into your weather classes. And those that, they're, they're essentially all calculus-based. Um, so it's, it's really math-intense. And when I, was, when I was in high school, thinking about going, looking at North Carolina State, and visited a friend of mine who was there, and his roommate was a meteorology major. We started talking about the math, and I'm like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> in, in fact, I took one math class my freshman year. This is at Appalachian State, and I, I think I got a C. I know I got a C. That was just kind of my MO. I got Cs in math. And I'm like, you know what? Never again am I taking another math class. And I ended up taking like six more. So I, I'd never say never anymore um, after going back for weather. So it's a whole bunch of math and science. And I just, you know, by the time when I was mature enough to really grind, to really put my head down, to close out the library every single night of the week, not, not I should back up, I closed the library down any night that it was open about four to five days a week. Wow. studying my tail off in my mid-20s because I was ready to be serious enough to do it. Um, and that's, I just, I made it through and then did my best to for, forget some of the math. <laughs> so on, the, on, on, a, on a summary, what exactly does it, I mean, you know, we, meteorologists, like, you know, we, we see them on, on the news. Okay, and by the way, David Letterman was a meteorologist or he did, he, he was a weather reporter anyway. He, so, yeah, he did the weather, yeah. So there's weather reporters and there's meteorologists. So the people that we see on TV are generally weather reporters where a meteorologist is a professional and you actually kind of understand weather the weather in general i guess that's a good way of saying it <laughs> yeah i mean so so correct in in theory right a degreed meteorologist is going to have a better understanding than, than someone who's kind of self-taught um not that self-taught forecasters can't be very very good in fact it turned out when i when i moved to boone in north carolina and for the company that i worked for the founder of that company was a self-taught meteorologist but he also had a PhD in computer science, so he he was no dummy, if you will. Um, so yes, so a degree meteorologist should have a, a better understanding of what's going on. Now, does that mean they articulate it better in a broadcast environment? That's a whole other story. That that is you know that's, that's kind of apples to oranges, especially somewhere where where the weather is easy. Oftentimes, the station may just be looking for a good talent, a good personality. Um, and then as a TV meteorologist, hopefully you're, you're marrying a good personality, good talent with, your, with your, you know, your education and background and your knowledge. So a meteorologist has, there's, there's basically different um, 
job descriptions for them, basically. So it's not just the guy that we see on TV, you know, reporting the weather. It's kind of like you guys back there. But the guys that take it real serious actually study the weather, kind of predict the weather, and or interpret. I don't want to say predict because you're really not predicting anything. You're just kind of like, um, um, what's the word I'm we looking are for? Interpreting. Interpreting, yeah. yeah. Interpreting. And so like the yeah. storm that we just came. The a question is, is how do you... And this, and, and I guess this is a meteorologist question. So when they sit there and say, okay, the storm starts over on the on the Atlantic, over on the, you know, let's say the Canary Islands over there in North Africa or whatever, and just kind of works its way around and gains momentum and just kind of diddy bops along there, and then it hits the Gulf Stream and does, you know, does its kind of, you know, get the weather change, the water and the weather and the heat and the hot and the cold and all that kind of stuff does weird things. How do you what we those of us that are, are late people, we're sitting there watching this, and you guys say, well, it could go to the right, could go to the left, um, it's Chances are it's going to go this way. Uh, we, um, how do they? How is all that determined? In a short, yeah, in a short so, sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. So we're all meteorologists are relying heavily on computer guidance, and okay. there's a number of of various computer models that we'll look at, and some are better than others. In fact, uh, with Ian, there was you know initially it could be it could have been a Savannah hit going up the east coast of Florida, or it could have been a Louisiana hit. I mean that 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 was on the board seven, eight, nine days out from Louisiana to Savannah. And then a good forecaster tries to look at the data that's presented to them and starts narrowing in what, what is, what is most realistic. And with each new com- computer model run, just, you know, using their forecast intuition, their education, their, their pattern recognition. So having years in the business and then looking at the, the, the current state of the environment in terms of, yeah, where is our warm water? What's our steering currents like? I mean, all of these variables are coming into play. And then, and really, you know, when you get down to that granular of a level, it helps to be a specialist in tropical meteorology. <laughs> okay. So that, that wasn't in one sentence, forgive me. No, no, no. That's very good. Okay. So now I, now I'm, Totally educated in meteorology. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I have my crash course. So let's talk about music and guitars and guitar gavel. Now, I liked your analogy because you said basically my goal with guitar gavel is basically the bring a trailer of guitars or musical instruments. Is it strictly guitars or is it musical instruments as well, other musical instruments? I mean, it's, so, you know, the simplest model is guitars. That's the starting point, but it's, 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 it's stringed instruments generally speaking, and then associated gear. So you would be like, you know, what's most logical sold with an electric guitar or someone that has an electric guitar, they need an amp. Um, they may need a pedal. Um, if they're into recording, microphone. So, so vintage and rare in those categories. So guitars and related gear. How did the concept come about? Now, you're a musician as well, right? Or kind of like a lot of us, we just you just tinker with the guitar? Yeah, yeah, I'm more of a, a great lover of guitar than I am a player of okay. guitar. So, yeah, that, that's a great question. And I love, love, love that uh, the audience that you have are car people and gearheads. And then you've got some rock and roll folks as well, and, and that's why I'm here. And thank you. We'll talk to all of them. But my best example is Guitar Gavel is the equivalent for guitars of what Bring a Trailer is for, for cars. Okay. So thank you for, for coming out of the gate and saying that. And I'll, I'll be honest, it came, it came from three places. Bring a Trailer is one of them. Uh, love Bring a Trailer, huge fan of the site. Love, I don't go there every day, but I get why people do. Just to look and to comment. I mean, I, I love it. And that was me looking at weather stuff before 
I became a meteorologist. That's that's what it was. So people go to bring a trailer. They love to hang out there. I'm like, huh, you know, I think there could be something here for guitar. So there's a couple things going on in tandem. I'm becoming a fan of bring a trailer. And then I'm just, you know, always looking around at guitars and stumbled across shopgoodwill.com. Are you familiar with this? No, 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 no. That's good. Tell me about that. Yes. So, and I ask people this all the time, and that's the answer I get. However, what's amazing is Shop, Shop Goodwill is an auction platform for all the Goodwill thrift stores in the United States. So the thousands of Goodwill thrift stores that participate in, in their auction platform take the really good stuff, and they put it for sale on the auction on ShopGoodwill.com. They don't put it out on the floor. And in Shop Goodwill is by volume like a top 12, top 13 largest auction houses, online auction houses in the world by volume. Wow, I had no idea. It's crazy. And so just looking for guitars, I see. So if you go to Shop Goodwill right now, you're going to turn up and type in guitar. It's going to turn give you about 1,200 guitars for, for auction, most of which are junk. A handful, you know, a handful or two are decent, and then a really small handful are really awesome guitars that people just didn't know. I've got this vintage Gibson. I've got this vintage whatever. It's street value, five, six thousand bucks, and someone dropped it off at a Goodwill. And so that guitar lands on Shop Goodwill. So I'm looking. I'm like, okay, they're selling guitars, and I and I bought two guitars from Shop Goodwill. Um, so they're selling guitars. They have a ton of guitars on there. The auction platform works. Again, in tandem, I'm falling in love with Bring a Trailer. Love the car auction. Love buying via an auction. It's so exciting. And I'm like, okay, let's 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 take another look. If I'm going to sell some gear, some guitars myself, what are my options? There are social networks. There's Craigslist, um, and then there's Reverb. I mean, those those are basically your three outside of eBay. And I tend to discredit eBay, not in the sense that it's a bad platform, of course, it's, it's huge, but because it's so generic, everything is available on eBay. So I kind of take that off the table when talking about uh, guitars and related gear. Though there's tons of it on there, it's just so generic, it's not niche, it's not community-centric on guitar people. And I'm like, okay, so this basically boils down to one marketplace, and that's, that's a reverb. And, and I kept, I mean, I spent weeks and hours and hours. Really? There's no other option? And the answer is kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, but not really. In terms of another marketplace where you, Robert, can sell your guitar and I can buy it on the other end without, without a middle person inventorying the guitar. Where did the name, and I like it, Guitar Gavel, you know, guitars, what we're talking about, gavel means hammer price or hammered, you know, that's what that's it, right. hammered. Yeah. so I like the concept, I think, and it's and it's catchy, Guitar Gavel, you know, it's kind of cool. So how'd the name come about? Little, yeah, thanks, the, the alliteration, so so to give context for, the, for, for, the, for your listeners, I'm 44, I've got a five and a half year old, almost six year old son, and an eight year old daughter. And that was close to a couple of years ago. Has it been that long? It's, it's hard to imagine. <laughs> I'm just talk, I'm, I'm tucking my son in. We finished reading his book. It's like, you know, bedtime's 8 o'clock. And I'm laying in bed with him for 5 or 10 minutes after we finish the book. And I'm sitting there, and it just pops in my mind, man. Because all I'm thinking about is guitars. Like, 
24-7 at this point and still do, of course, guitars, guitar gavel. Popped up, said goodnight, and ran downstairs to see if the domain was available. And it was. Wow. That's, that's where it came from. Yeah, and the gavel, yeah. I mean, it's like I knew I wanted an auction platform, and it just hit, man. It just hit. So what kind of guitars are you into? Man, so, you know, I have five guitars, and, and they're really nothing to write home about. But, but I'll tell you what, I, what, what you know, tickles me, what my, my fascination is, kind of uh, some oddball stuff, you know, some oddball Japanese guitars from the 60s um, that were readily available in the late 60s across the United States um, to Japanese guitars that really started to dominate the U.S. market in the late, really through the mid mid to late 70s, through the mid 80s. If I had to pick a brand, it would be Ibanez oh, of really? that era. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you had Tesco. Yeah, so, you had you, you know you had the lawsuit era ones back in the late 60s, early 70s. You know, so all that stuff was going on. And Japanese guitars actually are relatively collectible now. They have become relative. Yeah, they've gotten expensive. You if you want a vintage Ibanez in good condition. One of their artist series guitars from 1978-79, depending on where you live, depending how motivated the, the, the seller is, but you're looking at a couple thousand bucks for a guitar that people are unsure about um, for a little while in that era and then quickly realize that the guitars coming out of Japan in the late 70s and early 80s and, and really ever since then, or certainly during that time when there were some ownership issues with, with, you know, with Fender and with Gibson, um, the, they were just they were they were building better guitars. Japan was hands down. Well, I have my very first guitar when I walked in 1966 to a guitar shop. You know, I grew up in Northern California, so garage bands were everywhere. So if you were a kid, you're you know back then you watched cartoons, you built models, you climbed trees, uh, or you were in sports, or you were all of above, and then you were into music. And a lot of the kids that were a couple years older than us had kind of like what you would call a garage band. So somebody, somebody had a guitar, somebody had a set of drums, somebody had a set of keyboard, you know, keyboards. And so what we would do is us younger kids, the brats as they called us, we would go in there when the when the older ones were out, you know, doing whatever they were doing, uh, we would kind of mess around with their instruments. So that's how we kind of, and then of course the 60s, you know, music revolution and all that stuff that was going on. And I was in the Bay Area, so San Francisco was really, you know, music was prolific. We had, you know, the Fillmore West. And uh, so we had a lot of really cool bands back then. And um, so so I went in, and because I'm a car guy, the Mustang, I wanted to get a Fender Mustang. And then the guy goes, nah, you don't want that Mustang. It's a solid body. you got to have an amplifier, blah, 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 blah. Here, try this guitar. This is a, a Lyle, and it looks like a Gibson 335, and this would be a great guitar. And I can sell you this guitar with a really nice case for 66 bucks. Which you know, the Fender <laughs> Mustang was, I think, 109 or 110 or something like that. Now... I worked because my parents had a motel, so it wasn't like that was, uh, you know, I, not like I couldn't afford it. But um, and I had a Schwinn, not a Huffy, so you know, I mean, I worked. So you know, a lot of kids, hey, we had paper routes and all that other kind of stuff that was going on. So I, I was kind of like into the name brand thing. But anyway, so my regret was I didn't buy the Mustang because I'd still have it because I still have my Lyle. The problem was, and we can talk a little bit about this as well. The nut was an inch and five eighths. I couldn't get my itty bitty little 
eight-year-old hands around the, the thing, and I couldn't play very well because it was very, an uncomfortable guitar, you know, and I didn't yeah. like it because the guy didn't sit down and say, look, because you know, when you buy an instrument, you need to kind of get a feel for it. You need to play four or five of them, but it wasn't like that. They were just in there, hey, we got a great deal on Japanese guitars here. Buy this one. I'll give you a deal on it, and he threw in a Goya case, which was made in Sweden, I think, which I still have as well. Fiberglass, really kind of cool guitar case. And uh, so years, and it turned me off. Then when I moved to Florida in the 70s, I was still struggling with that guitar. And a friend of mine goes, maybe you had to consider four strings. Four strings? Yeah, pick up the bass. So I went out and bought a bass, and I remember making payments on it at the music shop. And I bought a, a, a Hofner knockoff, you know, like a Beatle bass, which I also still yeah. have, which is also a Japanese guitar. So when I took it to the guy that tunes my guitars, Luthier, that set it up, he goes, you know, Robert, for old Japanese guitars, these are really, really nice guitars. And and they did. Well, you know, the pickup, the electronics, I mean, they weren't Fender and they weren't Gibson. You know, we're not talking humbuckers or anything like that. But we're talking, you know, the 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 high-end Japanese quality stuff at the time, which was pretty, and Japanese are known for electronics. So both those guitars actually play very well, but they're not a Fender and they're not a Gibson, you know, or, uh, you know, uh, Moss Ride or something like that. But anyway, go ahead. Finish your story. I'm sorry I took off there. No, I don't, I don't know if there was anything to finish, man. That, I mean, look, Fender and Gibson owned the, the, the vintage market mainly because they made the most guitars, yep. um, you know, from the 50s and 60s and 70s. But that's about, that makes up about 55% of the vintage inventory. Um, in, in you know, for, for your listeners, vintage, vintage is is now kind of creeping into the legitimately into the early to almost mid 80s for guys that are a little older than than me they'd say you know i'm drawing the line somewhere in like 78 79 you know anything after that's not not vintage yet um but but yeah fender and gibson own it and and i mean wonderful guitars my i think i, I fell in love watching michael j fox play johnny be good oh yeah back the original back to the future uh-huh that was, I mean, he was playing a Gibson. He, he didn't have the, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, by the way, your guitar people know that, that that guitar had not been invented, had not been built in 1955 when that was filmed. Uh, it didn't come out until 1958. So they'd had a little period in uh, the wrong <laughs> yeah. period guitar in the movie. <laughs> yeah, well, those of us could have kind of caught that. But the other thing I was going to tell you is look at you got Carvers, PVs, all these guitars today, these 90s guitars, or what they call, you know, the, the shredder guitars, those are all highly yes. collectible now. And uh, really highly collectible, yes. So, uh, yeah, and, and, and there's names that I can't even pronounce. Uh, Kramer was another one that was real big back in the day. So you got Kramer, Carver, uh, PV. Those were like, you know, shredder guitars back then, 80s, 90s stuff. And like I said, those are highly collectible. And they're quasi-American Japanese kind of guitars. But, you know, the, the, obviously the big names, you know. But anyway, um, so all right. So where's what's the next step for? And if people want to find out more about and get hooked up with Guitar Gavel, how do they go about doing it? How do they list? What are the, how are the rules? How does it work as far as me, the lister, or the consigner, if you will, and then the buyer? I mean, in terms of the fees and, and things of that nature, how does that work? Yeah. Th- thanks so much for for giving me the opportunity to share that. So go to guitargavel.com. Uh, you hang around on the website long enough, you'll you know there'll be a little pop-up. Hey, do you want to sign up for a newsletter? Which, by the way, I've, I've put out a newsletter every Monday morning. It comes with a lick of the week that I have guest uh, guitarists and guest uh, artists and musicians do a little you know three to five minute lick to share that you can practice on. Uh, Will Ray from the Helicasters is one of my regulars. Uh, for for your fans that are Helicaster fans, they know exactly who I'm who I'm talking about. Um, 
so that that comes out on Monday, so you can sign up on the website there. There's also a, a button where you can sell your guitar, and it'll it'll clearly give you that information. But I'll I'll, I'll give you the, the the quick lowdown. I mean, it's 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 uh, very much in line with with the market uh, in terms of selling through any other platform. Guitar Gavel charges to the to the seller a five five percent commission fee, of course. You know, not everyone gets it, but if you sell online, most states charge taxes, and North Carolina is no exception. So I'm I'm a company registered in North Carolina, got to charge taxes on it, just like, which is you know generally generally speaking the case in most states. Um, and then the the uh, buyer will also pay the shipping cost. So it's not really different in terms of the process of buying a guitar or selling a guitar from from other platforms. But I do use the auction. So it's, it's not a buy now um, platform. You know, we, what I do is I go through and I, I run uh, about, at this point, about one auction every two to three months, and I can curate every listing. So I, I do a ton of research for every seller and provide historical context to the guitar that they are selling um, and add that, include that in the right. Just like Bring a Trailer. What's Bring a Trailer's mantra? More pictures, video and paragraphs and paragraphs of information. I try to copy the same thing because I don't think you can do it better than they do it. So we got about a minute left. So basically the sure. seller pays 5%. What does the buyer pay? There's, there's no commission. There's, there is not a buyer's commission. There's not a buyer's fee then? There is not a buyer's fee. Oh, interesting, interesting. All right, you also have a podcast. Tell us about the podcast. Are you kind of playing around with that a little bit? Because I saw that. Did I see yeah, that right? I am. Yeah, you, you've got it. So you can find Guitar Gavel on YouTube, and it's generally weekly. You know how that can kind of uh, get off the rails a little bit, and it has, but I'm, I'm back on track. In fact, I'm, I'm recording a podcast tomorrow with a, with a writer for a premier guitar magazine, and uh, that will come out on Monday. So the, the podcast all coming out on Monday as well, and that's delivered within the newsletter, which are just cool guitar stories. That's what I do. I write about cool guitars because I love guitars. Are you looking for any other people to contribute editorials or anything like that? Hey, I'm always open. They can find me, David, at guitargavel.com. And I'll also say that the platform is open for dealers. So any uh, dealers that you may have listening and they want to want to consign through Guitar Gavel and reach an audience outside of wherever, they, where, wherever their brick and mortar is, would love to have that conversation with them. Okay, what about reserves? If, in other words, if let's say I got a really rare guitar and I think it's worth five grand, now you know, bring a trailer, come in and say, okay, well your car's not worth fifty grand; it's worth forty grand. We'll list it at forty because we don't think it'll sell at fifty, you know. And then you know, so do you do you, do you have reserve prices on stuff? I mean, is, is can a seller can signer do that as well? Yeah, every every seller can set their own reserve. If it's you know, if it's out of touch with reality, we'll have that conversation. But as long as it's in the ballpark. I want the seller to try to get the money that they think that their instrument or their piece of gear is worth. Absolutely. Okay. Now, are there any? We got. I guess I just got to notice here. We got another minute. So, what's a tip? What What tip would you give a, a consigner to, uh, to to list his guitar? Details are important, yeah. correct? Details. Um, any Any information they have. If they're If they're If they're not the original owner, um, what, whatever trail they can provide to any changes or modifications that maybe have been made to the guitar, you know, the, the buyer is going to want to know that 100% to the best of their ability. Um, and then the tips are, listen, be honest, be genuine. If you've got a ding or a nick or a scratch, it's a 30, 40, 50-year-old guitar. People know that. Let's not cover it up. Let's take a picture of it 
show the world because transparency is key. And you know, buying and selling cars, someone who curates a great listing for a car they're trying to sell, take it, they take a bunch of pictures, talk about all the little nooks and crannies that may, may be hidden there. That's somebody you want to do business with because they love it and they own the fact that it's not perfect. And that's just the way the world is. And let's let's carry that mantra forward. Wow, super. David, we are up against the, uh, what's the word I'm thinking for? I um, uh, can't think of a metaphor right now, but anyway, we're up against, you can think of one, Bobby, real quick, but we're up against the, uh, the, the, the meta, what's that little thing that goes back and forth in a musical thing? Ding, 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 you know what he's saying? Metronome. Metronome, yeah, we're up against the metronome. Okay, so David, real quick, one more time. How do people find you? guitargavel.com or send me an email david at guitargavel.com David, it was a pleasure having you on the show. We'll have to do this again and we'll see how you're doing in six months. Next time I'm up in North Carolina, I'm going to come knocking on your door. We'll we'll do a little jamming or something like that. I'm just a rhythm Love guitarist, it, but we'll play. Thank Sounds you good. so much, man. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank my special guest this evening, David Still, guitargavel.com. In the meantime, all you guys, car shows, musical events coming up. What's the big one in uh, Inverness, Bobby? Uh, we got the cruising on the third, third. No, Friday. your your musical thing that you're working on oh, Inverness. Country Jam. Country Jam in Inverness. Okay. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN Clearwater FM 106.1 WDCF Dade City FM 102.3 WZHR Zephyr Hills FM 104.3. Listen.